Podcasting is nothing new to me, nor is writing, recording, performing, or talking about music. But podcasting about music is new. So thank you for joining me on this ride. And please don't hesitate to share feedback by leaving a review or sending me an email as I try and figure out what this show should be and sound like. This is the left side. This is the right side. My name's Dan Koch, and this is Pretty Good Vibrations, a show that both analyzes and celebrates pop and rock music and the crucial role it plays throughout our lives. As a podcaster, I'm known for my work around psychology and religion, most notably on the You Have Permission podcast, but I've actually been a professional musician for most of the last 20 years, first as the songwriter and guitarist for the emo pop band Sherwood, and then after that, about a decade as a commercial composer. So let's see if we can't have a somewhat mature conversation about the world's most immature band today. Thanks for listening. The following two claims are true. Number one, my guest today, Aaron Simmons, is a philosopher and president of the Soren Kierkegaard Society, the grandfather of existentialism. Number two, the band we are discussing today, about which Aaron has quite passionate opinions, once named a major headline tour, the Poo Poo Pee Pee Tour. And the combination of these two facts has me very excited for our conversation today. Aaron, thanks for joining me. Aaron Simmons, I should say. That's easily the best introduction I've ever, ever had. However, as a philosopher, I immediately will say all that seems true may not be. So I am the former president of the Soren Kierkegaard Society. That was a one-year-old fact. That's true. I, I, I took a chance there. Truth always <laughs> has an edge to it, doesn't it? <laughs> so a little bit for the uninitiated. I, I imagine everybody listening to this knows Blink-182. But in case you don't know the timeline, here's here are the basics. Blink-182, pop punk band from San Diego, California. They formed in 1992. They made their first big splash with the album Dude Ranch in 97. That went gold. Then they became international megastars with their 1999 album, multi-platinum, Enema of the State, featuring their new drummer, Travis Barker, who's now one of the most famous musicians in the world. They did three more albums with that lineup, including a hiatus between their self-titled in 03 and Neighborhoods in, I think, 09. In 2015, Tom left the band and was replaced by Matt Skiba, singer, guitarist, and primary songwriter of the Chicago punk band Alkaline Trio, a band Aaron, you and I both love. Alkaline Trio sounds like this. It's been a long day living with this. It's been a long time since I felt so sick. I took a long walk straight back home. I could have walked back to San Francisco. I used to long for time. Fantastic band. So Skiba joins. That new lineup releases two albums with Matt Skiba on guitar and vocals, California in 2016 and Nine in 2019. In 2021, singer and bassist Mark Hoppus successfully goes through chemo for lymphoma. And during that time, friendships are repaired between him and Tom DeLong, the original guitarist and singer of Blink-182. So now Blink-182 have reunited with their original singer, Tom DeLong. They have a new single out called Edging and plans for a new album. Okay, so 
Here's how this episode came about. You and I were at a kind of a mini conference of sorts a couple of weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. And yep. you were talking with our friend Tim and I walked up and I heard you talking about Blink-182 mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, this is great. Guys, I got a hot take about Blink-182. I think that the two albums with Matt Skiba are actually pretty good. And yeah. you look at me and what do you say? I think they are the best of their career. <laughs> That's right. Deal with that. All of Reddit, which thinks that they are the least good of their entire career. I discovered this week. This is a very hot take. I think that this yeah. is the hottest plausible take that I believe anyone <laughs> believes. Does that make sense? <laughs> so I think that this is about the hottest take you can have, that those two albums are in fact better than the four, the three or four, depending on what you count, big sort of main chunk of their career, Blink albums, Dude Ranch, Enema of the State, yeah. Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, and the self-titled in 03. From where I stand, with the context that I will suggest, I think hands down, like to me, not even close. <laughs> this is not like they're they're just sort of right there, but man, they kind of edge them out, as it were. It's like, nope, these are the best two. And for me, California, which even gets less love than nine, is my favorite. People are spitting out their coffee all over the world right now as they listen to you, Aaron. Well, let's I, we're gonna get to the, the meat it. of your argument. I did challenge you to formulate it as a formal logical argument, so we'll see how that went. Uh, but how does a philosopher come to care about pop punk music, right? It's the Pee Pee Poo Poo Tour is right down the middle of kind of what pop punk is known for. How, do, how yeah. does it enter your life? You know, when, when Travis Barker entered Blink, I was in college. Yeah. Right. And so they were really blowing up right there, kind of at the end of my time in college. Enema of the State was, you know, everywhere. And then, you know, when we had all the small things come out, I remember, like, I'm embarrassed to say now, but I remember watching Total Request Live, being stoked that it was like on the same list that it was making fun of. So, like, it was, you know, yeah, on the same of, list. The videos making fun boys. of boy bands. Right. Yeah. All the small things. So being in front of Backstreet Boys and Christina Aguilera and all this, but yet they were all in the same playlist on Total Request Live, which is going to be relevant actually to part of why I think people mistakenly uh, applaud those early albums. So when I got out of college, what was going on was Blink was everywhere. I was certainly aware of what they were doing. Yeah. I wasn't buying their CDs, but I was still, you know, I call myself like a fan from a distance. Yeah. And then, you know, there was a bunch of years where grad school happened. And, you know, I was listening to less music in general, was still playing drums a bunch, but wasn't sort of up on all the latest things. Yeah. And it was actually a student of mine, a guy named Christian, who when uh, Neighborhoods came out and he like bought me a CD, he was like, dude, you've got to listen to it. Blink has a new album out. It's been forever. Liked Neighborhoods, thought it was compelling, really cool stuff. Uh, but then... Tom left, which again, kind of wasn't surprising because aliens are still out there to go find and conspiracy theories are still there to go track down. And so he was doing his thing. Angels and Airwaves was still plodding along. Who knows what's going to happen to Blink? 
And about that time, right, this band I was a big fan of, Alkaline Trio, suddenly Skiba's going over and joining Blink, and I became really interested to see what this was going to do. So I would say my real, like, intentional attention on Blink was when Skiba came over just because I was a fan of Alkaline. Yeah. California dropped, and man, like, I was in. And it's a long way back from It was California and Nine that, like, really, to be honest, solidified me as a Blink fan. Okay. And so now with Tom coming back, I never disliked him. I still liked their stuff before. I'm interested to see what they do, stoked to see what the new stuff sounds like. I just worry that what it will necessarily sound like is everything Tom has been part of, which I find less interesting than what Skiba's part of. He tweeted out that this new record is, quote, some of the most progressive and elevated music we've ever had, end quote, which makes me assume I will not like it as much. <laughs> it's the kind of thing he said about Angels and Airwaves records, you know? I actually think there's not much punk left, and I don't think they've actually foregrounded that rhythm and that beat, except for the odd song. That's been gone basically since Enema, and that's fine. I'm I'm not a huge fan of the wacka 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 punk rhythm. The kind of skate punk beat. The fast right. I, I skate think it's punk, complicated yeah. now. When we say like, all right, so what what is it that Blink is, and what is this space? When you say like, how do I get into pop punk? My response would be, I'm not sure I've ever been into pop punk. Yeah. There there's this kind of space. Jimmy Eat World has always been one of my favorite bands. Right? Do they count as pop punk? I don't know. Uh, if right? a pop punk band did the middle, nobody, you know, that could be a Blink-182 song. You know, Jimmy was like one of Tom's favorite bands early on. I mean, they're um, one of everyone's every, favorite bands right? in this I whole mean, in this whole scene, yeah. And this melodic rock stuff, Blink has been doing at least since Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. In the car, I just can't wait to pick you up on our very first day. Is it cool if I hold your hand? Is it wrong if I think it's Linda Dan? Do you like my stupid hair? Would you guess that I And my view is, whatever this thing is, Skiba does that thing better than Tom DeLonge does, given the way that his skill set, I want to suggest, he's the better punk singer. So this is why I think I like Boxcar so much is, you know, they've got some tracks on there that are straight up. Like, was it the, my first punk song or whatever they've got on that track? Yeah. It, it's just straight up a punk rock song. So this is my first punk song by Boxcar Racer. This is a 2002 Tom fronted band. This is in between Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and the 2003 self-titled. I'm in, man. Like you're in for if, that. If he had done that, yeah, I, I would be singing his praises because I think his voice is you so... and uh, fifty thousand other people rather than fifty million other people. <laughs> I, 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 I get that he chose the better path for himself sure, and his bank yeah. account, but yeah. I am in on Tom when he is a punk singer, 
I am not in on Tom when he is, again, whatever this other genre is that I think Blink now leans into. I actually think one of the subplots of these couple records with Skiba is that during that time, Travis has also become a producer in his own right. right. And I think especially on Nine, you really hear that. But I think they've done a good job of keeping a lot of their sonic signatures from those early records. Well, there was an interview I read this week, but basically the idea was we knew we would never be the best live band. We knew we would never be, you know, like the best even musicians in the world, but we would go down swinging with some of the best songs ever written. I don't think that Blink, to my mind, it's not like I regret not seeing them live. It's like, no, I think where they are at their absolute best is when the harmonies are perfect the rhythms yeah. are all, you know, in the studio set to a, for sure. a track. Like, yep. th- they're fantastic. And they're consummate pros. I mean, like, there's a reason we're talking about them and not talking about so many of those other flash-in-the-pan pop-punk bands because they just weren't as good. I mean, Blink was really good, and I think they're exceptional songwriters. If we stipulate what we mean by better, I'm going to try to argue why... So many people are utterly convinced that usually it's Enema or self-titled or like everybody's favorite too. Right. I'm going to argue why that makes sense and also argue why I think that that's wrong, even though it's reasonable. Mm-hmm. And then try to suggest these last two albums. And in my mind, especially California is just a better performance of what it looks like to be good at the things these people are good at. Okay. What do you mean by better? Your entire argument is going to hinge on this definition. What it looks like to do a particular thing well. So better means I'm doing this particular thing as a philosopher. Let's just call it P, right? I'm doing P. <laughs> you can't get away from it. Can't get away try. from it. Okay. I, I'm going to do P more effectively yep. than this other instance. So X does P better than Y, right? Okay. And what's the thing that you think Blink-182 across their career yep. is trying to do such that they do it better on California and nine than on Enema of the State? I'm going to suggest that through Enema, they were a punk band with pop sensibilities, and they were really, really, really good at it, maybe the best in the game at it. Then, (laughs) with Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and Self-Titled, right, which I think there's a kind of break after that because obviously 2003 is a big jump to 2011 with Neighborhoods. And of course, lots of stuff happens in there as well. You know, Travis has a you know serious plane accident. There's all kinds of yeah. stuff that goes on. So I look at their career as everything up to and including Enema. Then I think there was this middle period, which is Pants and Jacket and Self-Titled. And it's in those two albums that I think they are doing something different. And the something different shows up on songs like, for example, like Adam's song is on Enema, but it's on Enema as this kind of weird outlier, right? It was not anywhere near as big as What's My Age Again and All the Small Things. But I think that song is the one that sounds way more like Pants and Jacket because notice what they do. It's all about the chorus. 
right? Yes. That whole song is, I mean, it's interesting all about, you know, uh, Mark's difficulty on tour and then you know, links it with Teenage Suicide. It's a super compelling track. Yeah, but he's really basic, like, the chorus is, rem- the, this way, the, the verse is memorable for Travis's drum beat. The song is memorable for the chorus. The, the money shot, man, is that chorus, and that's what Pants and Jacket does on almost every single song. It's building to a chorus, and the chorus is memorable. It's harmonies. It's got this layering effect, and that's where I think they've moved away from what I'm calling pop punk as the goal to mm. something like pop rock or, in my mind, more Jimmy Eats World type of songwriting. Here's where I agree with your argument. And here's where you're getting the P, by the way. So what is that yeah. thing what that we do better? Well, yeah, this so is starting it. with Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and a little bit of Enema of the State, what they're trying to do is they're doing more of a soft, loud, dynamic contrast. Yep. And they are really putting the emphasis on a big, catchy chorus. And I think that is the P that shifts. So if you are a fan of the early Blink, I want to suggest part of what you're a fan of is this kind of, and I mean this complimentary, immature, late teen lifestyle that is just dripping all over a track. And then we've got this, I'm going to suggest more mature sound, not better, right? Two different P's Mm -hmm. here. We've got P and Q. And that P, I think, is where I'm going to argue Skiba does that thing better than Tom DeLong. So that's the first way out for listeners, right? Is like they might just prefer the songs that have more like consistent energy throughout the song that are more coming straight from that pop punk, punk rock soup. They might not like the sort of Blink-182 as pop rock band as much. But what you're saying is if you do like that, then you think these records do it better. I think they do it better. And I also want to say that then couched within this is, so who are the Blink fans? The Blink fans are largely people who were Blink fans in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And it turns out all the sociological data suggests that our musical tastes get solidified in our late teens and early 20s. Yes, of course. So I want to suggest that there is no way for those people to be as excited about California and Nine. Yeah, because for like neurological it, reasons, they can't neuro- help it. Cognitive science makes it impossible <laughs> for that to be yes. as compelling to them. Yeah. And... I liked them early on, but Uh what I was already gravitating toward at that time were the bands like Alkaline that already sounded like Q rather than P. And that's the reason I think that it really makes a difference. There's really only one way to settle this. We got to play songs back to back and we have to attempt to be as objective as possible. Of course, it's impossible to totally 
detach from your feelings when you, you know, from when you first loved a song and the parts of your brain that it stimulates in terms of nostalgia and, and memory and, you know, friendships, loving relationships with people that you associate or great memories of going to warp tour in high school or whatever your, whatever it is. Right. But I am going to attempt to do my best to see if I agree with you that these are really <laughs> superior. <laughs> now that that being said, I really like like as as I said earlier, I really yeah. like these two records and I think right. a bunch of these songs are great and I have been surprised at how much I have chosen to listen to them. Mm-hmm. That's why I was excited to talk to you and Tim about it because yeah. I find myself like, you know, if you put a playlist on shuffle and mm-hmm. there are the songs that you like, but you might skip them. You're not really in the mood. Or if you can do the thing where you can see what's coming up, there yeah. are the songs you're like, okay, I want to hear that. And I keep doing that with these last couple Blink records. The reason I eventually came to this view that then you overheard and uh, you know led to this podcast is because... I would click, you know, blink just as my Spotify playlist. And it, of course, is randomly shuffling all their stuff. It was always the California and the nine albums that I wanted to hear. And I kept skipping through these early things with the exception of, and this is a weird point, the exception of Pants and Jacket. So I actually think Pants and Jacket is their best album prior to the last two at doing this thing that I'm saying is a different thing. We're just gonna we're just gonna roll things against each other. So, I think an underrated chorus from mm-hmm. Enema of the State is Anthem, last track. Yeah. Let's hear that chorus. And that kind of reminds me. Of Left Alone from California. I think that's a good one, too. Let's hear the chorus of Left Alone from California. Here's the thing I would point out about those two back-to-back, and this Let's is such a great example. The chorus happens, and it's it's where the song hits its climax. It's awesome. But notice when Tom is singing those types of so- songs, right? When he's doing the vocal work on yeah. the sell-out-for-the-chorus big moment, he sounds to me, and this is not a critique. He's a better singer than I would ever be. Really respect him. It always sounds to me like Dashboard Confessional trying to be hard rock. <laughs> Every single time. When okay. freaking Skiba okay. hits yeah. left alone. Like when he yeah. hits those, you've got that, that like hard Powerful. backdrop yeah. in him. Yeah. And it is really like you can see him. Almost like he still hits the notes, but he could like abandon the notes and almost be belting it right in a really hardcore way. And it has that power. So for me, the difference is similar structure, similar type of Q, not P. 
But in those moments, Skiba has got the better voice, and I actually think it accents Hoppus's voice better, which everybody says, no, 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 their voices are too close. Hoppus hasn't got grit in his voice to save his soul. And what's interesting is he did on Dude Ranch, but it, it sounds like from interviews, that's because he was smoking a pack a day. And it, he it stopped doing gone, that. Right? Yeah. And I love his voice, but it is so clean and so perfect that when you pivot to that with Skiba doing this like almost hardcore kind of belting. Yeah. It is for me the better pairing on songs that are Q songs rather songs that are P songs. It's almost like he's he's pushing it in a way that I don't know that Tom's voice can do. It also has an emotional register. I'm thinking of a track like San Diego yeah. on California. And notice the nostalgia, right, is not nostalgia of like being young and making dick jokes. It's nostalgia of when we could listen to this favorite song with our friends before we had mortgages and cancer diagnoses. Yeah. And I think the way down, you know, way down by Dangerous Summer is basically the course that says, you know, if I'm going to go, I want to go way down, right? It's this like awareness that life gets really heavy. And so we've got to either dive in or not. And it has that same sense of, for me, just rock as a way of conveying human life. And I think it does it similarly well. And notice when he's talking about it, like I have all my hope packed in a suitcase, right? Even the lyrics, it's it's doing something. And to be honest, that 40 year olds get <laughs> that 18 year olds don't. So I'm yeah. not saying that Matt Skiba Blink is a better band. I'm saying yeah. it is better at the thing that the early Blink tried to do and didn't do as well. And so my thought is, we compare them as two different things. Early right. fans will never get on board with the late tracks because, because their it's not won't what they're bringing <laughs> to the – their brains won't let them. That's right. Yeah, right. Well, while we're on The Dangerous Summer, which who, by the way, opened for my band, Sherwood, on a U.S. tour back in 2008, and I'm still in some touch with a couple guys in that band, uh, really love their music, have continued so to follow them. Uh I want to just play one more Dangerous Summer song oh. because I, I think they're a great band. So here's the chorus. So and good. again, this is what Skiba's bringing. It's got this a is little Skiba's edge to it. This is the chorus of Work in Progress from their uh, second album, Warpaint. What's interesting is that I wouldn't think of Dangerous Summer as a pop punk band. I think of them as like an emo band. Yeah, okay. Well, let's keep let's keep up the comparison. So let's let's go to to Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. 
I was thinking Stay Together for the Kids is another one of these kind of sell out for the chorus songs. Great right? song. Yep. As, as amazing as that is and as compelling and distinctive as his voice is, right? He's got a billion times more distinct. You always know when Tom's singing, right? And yeah. it is compelling yeah. and anchoring. But with just a little bit of push, vindicated. I'm like, it's immediately <laughs> dashboard confessional, man, who I kind of hate. And so it's that nasally thing that makes him so compelling, that also is why I think the sellout for the chorus cue that we're talking about, he's not got that. You mentioned Vindicated by Dashboard, which I do have dialed up oh. here. Let's see if we hear, and then we'll listen to the, a track from Nine. So, so here's the chorus of Vindicated. Unlike you, I think that song rips, and oh. I am like a big Dashboard fan. Like, God uh, bless him. Again, talented guy, <laughs> like that he has a career. But when I listen to that stuff, it just absolutely makes me think, this is why metal exists, is so we don't have to listen to this. It's like, we, we can actually go all the way to Gojira or Mastodon and just like bypass this kind of whiny oh stuff in the middle. Gosh. Wow. Hard disagree. Uh, <laughs> but here, let's hear a track that reminds me of Stay Together for the Kids in terms of tempo and big yeah. chorus from the most recent record, Nine. This is No Heart to Speak of. So I can maybe do without the little uh, per, like hip hop percussion flourishes in there that, uh, you know, perhaps Travis inserted. But yeah. that is a better chorus as a song than Stay Together for the Kids, if I'm being objective. It's a it's a better song. Imagine an audience, right? You've got two different types of experiences at a show. A punk show is wall-to-wall -wall energy, exciting. This is why the boom-tap, 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 you know, kind of reality is so compelling. It actually, for what it's worth, I think rhythmically is nearly, you know, hardcore punk stuff is very similar, of course, to like thrash metal, right? It's a very similar rhythmic dynamic. But when you get to these anthemic, you know, not as a critique, but stadium rock anthem chorus moments. Yeah. I want to hear those in ways, it sounds awful, in ways that I could imagine like a 45-year-old version of what it looks like to crowd surf, right? And Does anybody want to see that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I get that the, the, the teenagers that we have birthed do not, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But- there's something about when Skiba or Dangerous Summer, when they hit those moments, right? When it's that long vowel that they're carrying 
and the you know guitar is dropping in on its power chords. There's yeah. something about those that makes me envision this like stadium losing its effing mind in a way that I just don't see with the Tom songs or any Angels and Airwaves track, right? They're good, they're interesting, but I think it's got that like progressive side to it that makes it more of like, oh, look at that, teno- you know, the pent- pentatonic he's doing. That's pretty slick, man. But I it like can't that. only be about, like your argument can't only be about Tom's voice versus Matt's voice. Like that's not a good enough, I don't think that's a good enough, like- so the, I will ag- agree with you insofar as when Skiba pushes his voice, mm-hmm. it does things that Tom's voice never does, no matter right. how hard he pushes it. This is true of a lot of singers, like even in Sherwood, mm-hmm. neither Nate or I could ever push our voices quite like some of the bands that we toured with yeah. and that we wished we could. Pushed voice, that's a check in the Skiba column over mm-hmm. Tom. Right. But it's got to be more than that. Like, it's got to be, I think, the songwriting. And in that case, I think that the nine track is better written than the pants and jacket track. And the previous matchup, Anthem versus Left Alone. I don't know. I might I might give the edge to Anthem as a Mm -hmm. song in that one, even though Skiba's voice sounds good. But I think we got to get into the self-titled. So let's hear feeling this. This is track one. Uh, and I, I mean, I just think this song is so experimental and, and totally succeeds. And so I think catchy. this song is one of the swing and a miss. Really? Oh, I, I really fully do. disagree. Really well, let's do. hear a little bit of it. I will say I love the harmonic walk down, right? That I think is brilliant. My favorite part of that entire track is is that vocal line. And I think that would not have been as good with Skiba because there the differences in the high and low registers of their voice really makes it work. So that I yeah. will give to Tom. Yeah, which is in a later part of the song than what we heard where, where – uh they fell short yes. this time. Yeah, that, that the harmonies in the, that track are really great. Good. I think that's an example of Tom, Mark, and Travis firing on all, and Jerry Finn, their producer, firing on all cylinders. So that's interesting. You don't think that works. I really don't like when bands that aren't Rage Against the Machine do talky stuff rather than singy stuff, right? So I don't like the bit of a pre-prepper. For me, oh, that really? is a miss. I don't like that kind of, it just, it's, eh. But I love it when like Rage does that, right? Because it's sort uh-huh. of part of their DNA. So I don't okay. like the talky. Uh, but then also what I don't like on that track is the idea for me, like Travis, you're right. They're following all senators as a like trio, but I actually don't like the drum loops back into things uh, because it sounds too busy for me. 
So it's basically just, you know, 16 Says the notes. guy who likes thrash metal. I, I, I'm telling you, it's too busy. I think right. he would do better in songs like that to be able to have a loop, like a turnaround, to be able to uh-huh. go, you know, instead of, like, it's just that so much that it ends up making me frantic rather than, like, throwing horns and getting excited, right? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, if Travis hears this, you know, maybe he'll take a note from you, Aaron. <laughs> I think a good counterpoint is Sober from California, which has good a little song. bit of a hip hop, almost yep. an EDM element to it. Yep. Let's hear it. See, on this one, I actually song. don't really like this song. And then the chorus okay. drops, man. And it's just like, ah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm jumping off the stage, right? It has that, uh, but yeah. this one, same thing I don't like about Travis's drumming on the other, I don't like on this one because he's doing 16ths on the hi-hat. Yeah, it's really fast and syncopated. There's no yeah. need for mm-hmm. it. There's no need for it. Now, here's where I disagree on that. Here's where I think... When they are kind of firing on all cylinders, other than the, you know, in the choruses, everything sells out, everything's loud, whatever. But in the verses and bridges and pre-choruses especially, is what works for Blink is these more clean guitar parts that are more like picking single notes, playing patterns that then the bass moves under and sort of modulates the chord that they make together, and then that leaves a bunch of space. And the reason I think it does work for me, because Travis is probably the busiest drummer that I still like. Mm -hmm. Does he occasionally dial it up 10 or 20% more than I would like? Sure. But it's sonically interesting, and there is room. I don't think it's, if it's overplaying, it's only by a little bit, because they're they're working together. And so in that sense, I like how he does that. I don't know if you've got Dark Side on here, but I love Dark Side. So this yeah. is a track where I don't think he overplays, but he plays it a way I would not, right? So okay. I think the chorus on this one does not need 16ths on the hi-hat, which mm-hmm. he does, and he actually is doing a uh, basically a, a foot lift on the ands, so it yeah. creates almost a disco feel, which works exceptionally well in the song. This is for me, Skiba and uh, Hoppus and Barker firing on all cylinders. I think this song, just start to finish, it works. All right, here's Dark Side from Nine. I maybe am more open to that drum pattern because of my experience in Sherwood. Interesting. Like when I heard Dark Side, the first thought I had was, I wish I had written that chorus for a Sherwood song. Interesting. In 2007. And here I'll I'll play the chorus of of our track, The Only Song, and I think you'll hear why I felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's obviously a shared kind of DNA there. 
When yeah. you go to 16s on the hi-hat, almost always you drop to a four on the floor in the kick. Yep. And it works because, again, that's the kind of – it makes people do the <laughs> – I'm thinking of, like, the, uh, audience responses. So it makes me think of, like, Modest Mouse – where the fans are almost doing this kind of like I'm a reed sort of waving around in the, you know, or maybe outside of a gas station advertising. You look, yeah, have. you look like an air dancer advertising yes. a car sale right now on the That's the, the image when you go to the and the. Yeah, I just think it's dance music. It's it disco, works. it's EDM. It's, I think it's good. It's one of the most classic yep. beats in music history, probably back to Africa. Get rid of the four on the floor, open that hi-hat on eighth notes, and make it a real rock track, right? Like That's what you want, yeah. That thing is what I'm suggesting, even when they don't do that, there's more, like, Skiba's pulling them that way, and for me, that is a way that I think they've been going and leaning since Pants and Jacket. I just think they kind of find that sweet spot with him. you happen to work in advertising or perhaps video production of some kind? If so, I'd love it if you checked out my music licensing library. All the bumper music for this show, including the theme music and the track you're hearing right now, are in that library available for licensing, and every track is customizable for big enough projects. You can hear all my tracks sorted by genre and vibe at dancoke.net. There's a link in the show notes as well. Thanks for taking a listen. Well, Aaron, I think we've heard enough for people to kind of make up their mind as to whether or not they agree with you. (laughs) I think you make a compelling case for if you're looking for this second thing that the band eventually shifts to, maybe they're doing it better with Skiba than they did it with Tom. I think it just kind of depends on how much weight you give the vocal difference. I think songwriting wise, my takeaway from listening to them back and forth is... I don't think they've gotten worse as songwriters. And a they've lot of bands do. A lot yeah. of bands do get worse as songwriters. They have not. They have not. Nope. These songs, at minimum, I think, if you try, if you take out the nostalgia, at minimum, these songs go head to head. And, okay, here's the strongest counter argument, Aaron, I think is this. Is if you take the context of the moment in which they are making the records. Yeah their age, what has been done before, even the sort of studio technology available to them, right? In that instance, you might say, well, look, Enema of the State essentially codifies an entire lane of pop rock music out of pop punk. Influential in a way nothing else they could ever do could come close to. But you're just not, you're just sort of bracketing influence and sort of but but there's like a craft. You you could make a craft argument for that record, oh, yeah. Pants, and the self-titled that like, you know, they're pushing something forward in a way that they're obviously not pushing anything forward. Well, this now. very argument, recently Finn McKinty made this on the, you know, uh, Punk Rock NBA show he's got on YouTube. He made that very argument that Enema's their best album because... It created the roadmap for every other band coming into that lane. Mm-hmm. And I'm suggesting if we talk about that, now we've got not just got P and Q, but something like M. And M <laughs> as a criterion is a really smart, sensible criterion. 
right? But I think M, for example, would be like, why nothing that Paul McCartney does now could ever be as M good as what the Beatles did. Right. Could never. Yeah, because the con- – He's writing in the context of the Beatles exist and changed pop music. Right. That's right. Exactly. And and let's also say part of M, which is a really good argument, is it is way harder (laughs) to break through than to keep doing. Right. I mean, so the idea that Blink went from nothing. I mean, my goodness, you listen to there's some early, you know, Chesser and some of the early stuff. Like, it's real bad. It's pretty so rough, yeah. It it's not just like I mean the difference between Dude Ranch and the stuff yes, that had come before. The growth. Oh yeah, it is stunning. And so yeah. the idea that they went even from Dude Ranch, you know, up to yeah. Enema, and For, became, from a developmental perspective, golly. it's it's more fun to think about the growth during those years. Yes. But if I take your criteria, I would say. I mean, I I am like a little afraid to fully agree, <laughs> but I would say I'm going to be thinking about it. And I, at the bare minimum, with your criteria, they are neck and neck, I would say. Maybe the most charitable version of my view would be something like this. Uh, according to this criteria that I've articulated and the different lanes that we've talked about, about how it shows up and what it looks like, it at least means that um, people who are discovering Blink, right? Which again, I know is almost no one (laughs) because I've got a bracket. My argument depends on bracketing everyone who was a Blink fan at 19. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. If you say, well, who's coming? And this was what was so interesting about my students, right? So I teach in the university. It was stunning, man. Like not even close. And I did to try to make it work. It's kind of like you've done. I picked songs that I thought had similarities. And I also picked songs that had been hits on their early stuff. So that there was not like some, you know, B-side deep track that no one. It's like, no, I'm going to pick their big stuff and put it up against some of the stuff now that is lesser known. And just said, hey, y'all tell me, which track do you prefer? And to be honest, in a group of about 60 to 70 students, I would say maybe 10 described themselves as Blink fans. Mm -hmm. And about 80% preferred the later options. Not in a like, oh, those early ones suck. But just like, yeah, I kind of like that. Like, if it comes on the playlist, that's the one I would choose. Yeah. Right? And that's the most interesting data on my end is how often I do choose these new songs. Mm-hmm. At, at minimum, I hope that people are going to give these records their due as a result of this. Maybe before we can go out, because I do want people to give these two albums a, a, a chance. Yeah. Anyone who's a punk fan, right, that early pop punk stuff, Rabbit Hole on California, like it nails that even in this 40-year-old body, right? Maybe I can hear a little bit of that one. Let's hear it. You are the coldest I 
I like that song. I do think these records are at their best when they are trying to do that second thing. But I it's agree. A cool track. That, that's just to say, if you want that, it's still here. If you here. want that, it's there. I yep. don't think, again, I don't think they do it as well, but I do think it's there and it is kind of fun, right? Hungover yeah. You on nine is Great the track song. that I would throw as, if you want to see sort of really beautiful vocal harmonics and the way that it's sort of relating to guitar and bass tones, I think Hung Over You is just one of those that's, oh my goodness, like it, it's almost weepily beautiful, uh, which is not a thing you say a lot. Okay, here's Hung Over You. So a long time, a long time, yeah, used to be all mine, all mine. It feels like last night, you came over. That's, that's good, really man. kind of that really what it's doing is it's taking a lot of the sonic signatures of the self-titled from 03, yep. you know, a little bit of these kind of dub elements yep. and and Travis's over-involved drumming, yeah. but then putting just like a nine out of ten chorus yes. into it. You and, know? and notice why I prefer California over nine, even though I think they're both good, is because I don't like the dub emo-y yeah. side yep. to it. Uh, yep. And that's definitely more prominent on nine. But then yeah. you hit those choruses like that, and you know you've got Skiba just railing. But then that beautiful hoppacy, <laughs> my my head hung over uh-huh. you, which again yeah. is that nostalgia of a forty year old who knows loss, yeah. right? There's yep. something about that. So I hope people don't hear me just saying I like Skiba's voice better. No, I no, think no, there's no, layers no. at which. Yeah. We should give these two records a really fair shake, and I think they hold up. Let's still rock out to the early stuff. And my son yeah. is a skate park kid. He likes the early stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, man, these are some good tracks. All right. Let's, let's, let's uh, hear some hot takes, man. Okay. We're ending with a hot take lightning round. Woo. I went to my Twitter circle and, and Facebook, and I asked for Blink-182 hot takes. You can say yes or no, and you can say up to one sentence, but we're keeping right. it a lightning round. All right. The first is my own. And actually, <laughs> I'm going to break my own rule and use a couple sentences. I wrote this before watching videos. I said, I because you know there's been all these memes about how expensive the tickets are for their reunion tour. Yeah, yeah. It's a mess. I said, I would pay more money to see them live with Skiba than I would to see them live with Tom. Mm. And I wish I had seen them with Skiba. But then I went and watched some videos and... I think I would only want to see them live with Skiba with the Skiba songs. It's kind of weird watching him fill in for Tom and singing Tom's parts. Like it doesn't, they've never been a great live band. They know that about themselves. I don't particularly need to see them live, but it's also weird with Skiba. So that take of my own, I'm, I'm kind of half backing down on it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but would, who would you rather see them live with? I, I would rather go see Alkaline Trio than Blink, but if I'm going to okay, see yeah. Blink, I want to see it with Tom live. Okay, I like that. Uh, Noah said, All the Small Things is the worst single from the Tom, Mark, Travis lineup. Yes or no, Aaron? Agree. Wow. I don't think I agree. It's doing something really well. This one's got to be a troll Travis Barker was better in the Aquabats. Yes or no? <laughs> I again. Uh, I only got one sentence. One sentence. No, but Travis 
is better when he's not trying to be super progressive, comma, and understands that his overplaying is not really designed for hip hop. Here's Travis in the Aquabats. Here's Red Sweater. Well, I met you in the third grade. I didn't know that you like lemonade. I met you. Yeah, that's a fucking no. troll. Nobody yeah, believes no, that. No, no, okay. no. That's right. That's not a real I, I, opinion. I don't like Travis when he does hip hop. Simon, everything after Dude Ranch is downhill. That's his take. Obviously, no for Entire, you. It, entirely plausible if you are a P fan. Okay. Yeah, if you like that stuff. Uh, I think Josie's the high point of P. I think Damn It is the high point. Damn It, Josie, and Waggy. Those are my three Dude Ranch jams. Yep. And they do, I go to those tracks a lot. They do P better than any of the later albums. Yes. I don't know if that's true, but mm. in my mind, uh, Zach Gehring from May, Tom's hooky riffs are underappreciated as a guitarist. Agree. I think I would agree. Gary, they were better without Tom. Obviously, that is true in some mm -hmm. sense for you. But he adds, and the only reason he's back is money. I don't think it's the only reason, comma. I think he genuinely didn't want to ignore that cancer made a difference in things. Yeah, I, I doubt it's the only reason. I don't think that To The Stars Academy, his current venture is like, Cash positive, probably <laughs> at this point. Um, and who doesn't, who can't use money, but it's, it's uh, a big yeah. reason, but I definitely think there's some personal stuff that we got to respect. Yeah. I mean, the cancer thing has to play in Seth Hecox. Blink-182 is the soundtrack of a generation and their run from enema to self-titled was the best run of three consecutive releases in the last 30 years. Man. That's swinging, that's swinging mean, for the fences. That Good is, grief. that is swinging for the fences. I just think <laughs> I haven't done the work to figure out who is above that, but I don't think I could say that's true. I would say, I think that there is probably an argument to be made for that M quality about influence. Mm -hmm. you maybe, could, yeah, maybe you make it there. Yeah. Maybe that would be the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, ben Keeney, their sad songs are better than their silly songs. They are the country music of pop punk. Agree. I but think for I me, agree I'm, too. I'm calling that the the later nostalgia. That's the 40 year old stuff I want. Adam's song though yep. from Enema would fall into that. Get, that was the early version of this later thing. Stay together for the kids on pants, right? That the anthem part two is a sad song. Uh, Jonathan, the first eight tracks of Enema of the State are really one long song with eight different parts. <laughs> <laughs> I like that take. Uh, sure. I'm, sure. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, okay. We got two left. I think that this is the hottest possible take. Actually, nobody gave this take, but I just wanted to throw out the <laughs> hottest possible plausible take someone could have is that Scott is the superior drummer to Travis. Oh, false. It's obviously false. Obviously false. Um, I have heard but, this claimed. So it yeah. is not, it's not just like, I have heard this claimed. I think it's obviously false. I think he was a great punk drummer. Travis has other levels that Scott didn't have. I think he's an adequate punk drummer. Uh, but this came from Josh Hafner. This is our last hot take, and it gets close. He says, Matt Skiba is a more talented songwriter and vocalist than Tom, mm -hmm. and Scott Rayner 
had a less overwrought, ostentatious style, far more suitable for pop punk. So the ideal Blink-182 lineup mm. is Mark, Matt, and Scott. Yes or no, one sentence. Plausible. Plausible. I think hard no, Josh. And I think you were kind of trolling. Um, I, th- Aaron? I, sh- I do want to qualify. Yeah. It's plausible to me, but I wouldn't put Scott in there. I would say I just would hope that a producer could rein Travis in a little bit more. Like he's the sure. better drummer. I want him on the kit all day long. Do I think Skiba's songwriting would be better with a less overwrought drummer? Yes. That's mm-hmm. Alkaline Trio. Everyone go right. listen to them. They're freaking amazing. It's funny you say that because Derek Grant, who plays drums in Alkaline Trio, you know, he came from the Suicide Machines and he was known for his you know, possibly overwrought kind of very mm-hmm. busy style, but he is about an 80% of Travis and his work on Alkaline Trio's stuff, filling in that space, yeah. I think does do it's that fantastic. very well. And he, he's a fantastic. That's drummer. why I think the claim is plausible. I just wouldn't say Scott. I would say the argument about the drums that I could it's get more Derek. Yeah. But I'm a Travis well, fan. I don't, I don't want to knock that dude. He's an amazing rock drummer. Yeah. Uh, I just yeah. think that, he he can't do what Carter Beaufort does when it comes to overplaying. Carter does it, and it's always sweet. Travis does it, and I'm kind of like, man, come on. You, you could pull back a little. It'd be okay. Okay, what percentage of people who got to the end of this episode heard you speak positively about Dave Matthews' band and just threw everything out the window? I don't know. It's, it's some percentage. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I, I not quite think, for me, but it doesn't help your argument. I tend to think if you're going to speak positively about Dave Matthews' band and also about Lamb of God and, and Kirk Franklin, like there might be something worth uh, taking seriously. So that, that's kind of where I land. Okay. All right. Yeah, man. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. This is a very fun conversation. Dude, this has been absolutely fantastic. And for whatever it's worth, I think you showed remarkable hermeneutic charity. And the fact that you even think what I'm saying is plausible makes me so happy I cannot stand it. <laughs> you can Google hermeneutic charity if you really <laughs> want to know, get inside the mind of a philosopher. All right, man. Hey, thanks, bro. Check out the accompanying playlist. It's in the show notes. It doesn't have the early Blink stuff. Nobody needs that on a playlist. But it is a list of some of Aaron and I's favorite tracks on those two records with Matt Skiba. Big thanks to Aaron for joining me for this contentious and uh, somewhat mature. We, we did get to a little bit of maturity. We talked about life stages. We had a little developmental lens that we trained on Blink-182's discography, which I don't know if that was good or a waste of time. You be the judge. I appreciate you taking the ride with me. We will be back next week with, I believe, one of these repeated tournament, bracket tournament, March Madness style episodes. All right. Again, please send me feedback. Email is in the show notes or leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Very curious how this is hitting people. If you have ideas for episodes or things you'd like to change, think that should change, anything like that, hit me up. I appreciate it.